Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. is now a member of the United States Supreme Court. And I have to tell you that I think it was the right decision. I'm glad he was appointed. I think he'll be a great justice. I believe in original intent of the Constitution uh, and its processes, and I am grateful that he is there. However, the fact remains that the appointment that the confirmation of Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court is going to poison our politics for a long time. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. There's a story that comes down to us from the colonial era, and it is that Thomas Jefferson came back from being our ambassador to France and had breakfast with George Washington. In the meantime, while Jefferson was in France, the Constitution had been ratified. And Jefferson was upset that Washington had encouraged a bicameral house, meaning that there is both a house and a Senate in the United States Congress. He was upset about that and challenged Washington about it. Well, Washington had noticed that while they were having breakfast, Jefferson had poured his coffee uh, into his saucer. Uh, And that was a common practice at the time when he said, Mr. Jefferson, why did you pour your coffee into the saucer? And he said to cool it. And uh, Mr. Washington, uh, President Washington said exactly so. And that's why we have a Senate to cool down legislation. So that was always the historic purpose of the U.S. Senate to cool things down, to keep the heated debating and rhetoric and and, and divisiveness of the House uh, to a minimum and to cool things down. Well, that certainly has gone away. Uh, As you may know, in this last week, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, who is the majority leader in the Senate, Senate uh, led the Republicans in dispensing with a tradition, it's not a law, but a tradition, that uh, major decisions in the Senate would be determined by a 60-vote margin. Uh, Instead, they modified that and allowed for a simple majority to determine Neil Gorsuch's confirmation. So he was confirmed, but just by a few votes over 50, a simple majority, uh, rather than the 60-plus. This is not some huge crime, by the way. There are other justices already on the Supreme Court who were not confirmed confirmed by 60 seats, I'm sorry, by 60 votes. And so uh, this is fairly common and it hasn't always been the practice in the Senate, but it definitely is going to anger the other side. And this comes on uh, the heels of another offense. And that is that last March, in March of 2016, President Obama um, nominated Merrick Garland as the U.S. Supreme Court justice to replace Antonin Scalia, and the Republicans refused to even meet with the man. I believe that that was a wrong decision, by the way. I think the Republicans were really buying trouble when they would not meet the man, would not have hearings, uh, would not, in some cases, even agree to talk to the man. Uh, And so they completely shut him down. The Republican rationale was that this was an election year and that President Obama shouldn't be appointing a justice during an election year. Let's let the next president do it. Well, this was, after all, March, and Mr. Obama was going to be president until late January, 
And I think that it was a uh, an insulting slap in the face to Mr. Obama to not even meet with the man or talk to him. It was also bad politics, by the way. You don't want to enrage the other side any more than you have to. And you could have drug out the meetings and drug out the hearings and drug out the discussions uh, so that they didn't happen on Mr. Obama's watch. Uh, and perhaps even the man could have been confirmed. I mean, Mr. Merritt Garland, by the way, uh, is a moderate justice. He would have been fine. But nevertheless, uh, now you have great offense. You have great anger on the left. You have great anger on the Democratic side of the House and the Senate. And now you have, of course, the offense that this this margin that is uh, the, the tradition in the Senate was removed and that now these bigger decisions will be made by a simple majority. I need to say, first of all, that what's being lost here, in my opinion, is that Mr. Gorsuch is a fine justice. He is a man who stays close to the law. He is a man who has said, if I'm happy with all of my rulings, I'm not doing my job. In other words, by sticking close to the law, sometimes I have to rule contrary to what I would prefer. So I'm angered by my own rulings. But this is the kind of justice that we want. We want people who understand the Constitution. We want people who want to stick close to the law. We don't want sociological jurisprudence or what's sometimes called legal realism. We don't want uh, the law being whatever the judge uh, judges say that it is. Uh, Mr. Gorsuch is just the kind of justice that we need. And by the way, uh, for those of you, we've got a lot of people listening to those who are in grad school, law schools, uh, studying political science, working in Washington. Uh, to say that I believe in original intent does not believe, of course, that I think that slavery ought to be legal or that or, or that slaves ought to be counted as two-fifths of a human being or you know what, whatever other issues were occurring at the time. Yes, I think women ought to have the vote, et cetera, et cetera. To believe in original intent, to believe in the Constitution, uh, is to believe in the system it created. It doesn't mean you take us back to 1789 and that everything occurs at it, as it existed at that time, at the time of ratification. Um, the, the Constitution includes processes for modification, for amendment. Uh, it includes gu- guarantees of rights. Uh, it, it includes opportunities for further amendments. Uh, that's why 18-year-olds can vote. That's why uh, prohibition. Uh, does not is not still exist. Thank God. Uh, that's why uh, you know you now have popular election of senators as opposed to it being done by state legislatures, etc., etc., etc. You've had an increasing democratization. It's why you have women the women's vote. Um, all of this increasing democratization came about within the constitutional system. The founding fathers knew they couldn't have anticipated all of the needs that would arise in a society, so they created a system in which it could be modified. So to say you believe in original intent uh, does not believe that you take the vote away from women, you know, and you want to enslave, uh, you want to return to slavery. All of that kind of silly rhetoric uh, is just ignorant. You believe in the constitutional system, and you can even be a progressive within that system. In fact, I would be probably classified as a progressive constitutionalist, not a progressive in the in the left-leaning uh, side of our politics and, and that orientation, uh, but rather in the sense that I would want changes within the constitutional system. but be celebrating the original intent and understanding of that constitution. So that being said, uh, I'm glad that a man like Neil Gorsuch is uh, a Supreme Court justice and we need more men and women like him. I I will say 
that what was really tragic, I listened to a great many of the uh, interviews and debates and and, uh, hearings related to Mr. Gorsuch. Uh, I watched as many as I could. I listened to some as I was traveling around the country, driving and catching them on on NPR and what have you. Um, I have to say that there was a clear dividing line, and it's one that's going to continue to uh, shape this country. Uh, Mr. Gorsuch was sitting there as a man of the law, as a man who was willing to surrender his opinions to the law, as a man who kept pushing forward the Constitution, uh, which is the founding covenant of this nation. And I'll have to say that his critics were always pushing specific political issues. In most cases, they were pushing issues uh, apart from any foundation in the law. Uh, Mr. Gorsuch was asked constantly about his views on certain political issues. His job as a Supreme Court justice is to rule on the constitutionality of government actions. How close do they align to the Constitution? It is not to make law. Uh, many of us who are a little bit younger, and so of course there are many listening to this who are younger than, far younger than I am, I'm in my 50s, um, have almost come to believe that the role of the Supreme Court is to create law, is to manufacture law. It manufactured law in the Obergefell case uh, that uh, legalized uh, marriage, uh, gay marriage, same-sex marriage. It, it manufactured law in Roe v. Wade, 1973. It has manufactured law time after time after time. It was never the role of the Supreme Court justices. In fact, when you visit Washington, D.C., and you go to the U.S. Capitol, you'll see the original Supreme Court room, and it was literally a room that's almost in the basement of the U.S. Congress building, of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, It was uh, the only role the justices had was to rule on the constitutionality of law and government actions. It was not to be um, a, a creator of law. The executive branch, the president executed, the legislature uh, determined law, legislated law, made law, created law, and the Supreme Court ruled on the constitutionality of that law. And I would suggest a lot of a lot of people like me who are right of center and further to the right would suggest that we have been increasingly in bad shape in this country um, as we have created law through the Supreme Court. Uh, in fact, there are some rulings the Supreme Court has made uh, that that have angered the left. And I'm actually in agreement with the left on that. I I think the Citizens United case was atrocious. Uh, It has to do with funding of campaigns and funding of politics and what institutions can do that. Again, there was no basis in the Constitution that justifies that ruling. Um, It was, again, sociological jurisprudence. So what I'm saying is that it was a tragedy, I believe, and I I felt the weight of it as I listened to the hearing and watch the hearings regarding Neil Gorsuch to hear the, his opponents constantly bring up gay rights, abortion rights, a certain very narrow protections uh, provided in this society, but not ever peg it to the law. We are a nation of laws. We are, we are ruled by law. And I increasingly urge that we move away from sociological jurisprudence and legal realism. We move away from judges making laws, and we insist that laws be made by the U.S. Congress. I'm, I am happy to live in a country where, um, even though I would oppose, be opposed to it, I, I still believe it's a just thing for the Congress to, to fashion the laws regarding abortion, for the Congress to fashion the laws regarding gay rights, not judges overturning a majority of states, uh, the 
the wishes of the people of a majority of states um, and creating law where there was none previously. That was never the role of the Supreme Court. So um, these hearings are going to be increasingly contentious and they are going to be uh, drawn, the dividing line, the red line is going to be along this very line. The difference between someone who is committed to the law and cannot speak to specifics until there's a case before him, that would be a conservative, that would be an originalist, and then those who have ideological political agendas and are insisting that judges have certain positions on the issues apart from the law. That's the dividing line that we see now. And that's probably going to come back around because it's it's rather unlikely that all of the current justices are going to stay in office until Mr. Trump is out of office, even if he gets only four years. We have some very, very elderly justices. Um, as you may know, that the court is, is quite uh, balanced with one man uh, providing a swing vote. Uh, and he often, he tends to go conservative more than liberal. Uh, so if, if, uh, justice Ginsburg, for example, should decide that her health does not allow her to stay in office or, or should one of the justices die, uh, you're going to have a conservative appointee. And now that you have a simple majority needed in the Senate, it's very likely that person would be confirmed at, at least during the Trump years, uh, unless the, unless the house and the Senate, uh, radically shift the balance through, uh, more popular elections. So we are living in an interesting time. I celebrate that Neil Gorsuch is a justice. He is a very qualified man. Uh, anybody who opposes his nomination either does so out of bitterness over Merrick Garland or simply out of a preference for certain political positions over the rule of law. And those of you who are uh, listening to this who didn't want Mr. Gorsuch to be confirmed, I ask you to consider uh, where does that antipathy come from? How is it that a man who's simply committed to the mechanisms of the Constitution can be contrary to your politics? Uh, I usually don't take stands this strong, but I think he so clearly uh, supports and represents a constitutional view that I, I urge that you consider that he is a challenge to an ideologically driven kind of view of law. But we are a nation of laws. Our constitution prevails. And this is often what defines the left from the right. I've said many times in this podcast, I am slightly right of center. That's where my Christianity uh, lands me. That's where my politics land me. And uh, I'm sometimes with uh, the more left-leaning side of the spectrum. But my the reason I can't be more with the left is that they have certain ideological positions apart from the Constitution and make those primary above and beyond the law. We are a nation of laws. We are a nation with a Constitution. It has mechanisms for change. It puts the responsibility for those mechanisms largely in the hand, hands of the U.S. Congress and not in the hands of of justices to fashion and create laws. It's time to return to our constitutional system. We'll all be better off if we do. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.